Hey, New Life Church, Bronson Duke here. Thanks for listening in. The heart of our church is that you would know Jesus, that you would walk with Jesus, and you would learn how to live like he lived. We hope that this message equips you and empowers you on your journey walking with Jesus. This morning, we're gonna be in John chapter 15. So if you could stand to your feet. Uh, If you're new to our community, uh, the reason that we do this is we just wanna show a posture of honor to God's word. So if you're able, if you can stand. And... um, I believe that this is the most important part of the service. This is the most impactful part of the service. So here in a second, uh, Victory is going to read from John 15, verses 9 through 17. And what I want to encourage you to do is just uh, read through it with us. It's going to be up on the screens. And be looking for things that jump out to you. And we're going to unpack it together. So let's read God's word. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friend. If you are my friends, you are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I have learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the father will give you. This is my command, love each other. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you that you speak to us through it. And so in our moments together, God, I pray that uh, you'd lead us and you'd guide us. God, the Father, we love you as the creator. We thank you for Jesus, our redeemer. We thank you for the Holy Spirit, our leader. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, we pray. And all God's people said, amen, amen. amen. Uh, you, you can have a seat. Um, we, we talked a second ago about Groundhog Day. You guys remember that guy that would come out and be like, Ned! You know, you know what I'm talking about? It's like Ned Schlambly or whatever the guy's name was. Uh, um, Ned Ryerson, that was it. Uh, so often, if, if we're really honest, when we come to church, that's kind of how we feel about Christians. Can you want to be honest about that? It's like the weird guy who's like chasing you around, the guy you don't really want to hang out with. Uh, I was talking to a buddy this week about it. He's like, I just, you know, I like hanging out with like my non-Christian friends. Like, I know that sounds bad. And it's like, dude, we got to change that. We got to shift that. Here's what I found. Here's why I found this is the case. So many of our relationships in life are relationships of convenience. And so the relationships that are based around common interests and they're based around convenience and the things that we like to do. But here's the issue with those types of relationships. If that's all you have, when you hit the storms of life, and we will all hit the storms of life, those are not the relationships that will sustain us. Amen? There's a book called A Holy Longing. The author's name is Ronald Rollheiser, and he's describing a person's spirituality. And as he's going through it, he's talking about how you could have a well-rounded spirituality in all but one area, and he highlights what the result would be. Here's what he says. He says, thus, despite all of her faith, her concern for the poor, and her mellowness of spirit, she still lacks full balance. He's describing a Christian life. Why? What can be missing in a life so honest, prayerful, and gracious? It's the grounding, earthiness, and necessary pain. 
that only real involvement within a concrete church-type community can give you. You know, I don't know about you guys, but I, I've gone through life, and I, and I felt like I lived the same season over and over and over again, and there was no growth, and there was no change, and, and what I found is that it's through spiritual practices that I come to grow into the image of Christ. And so in the first week of the series, we talked about prayer as a practice. The second week of the series, we talked about fasting as a practice. And this week, we're going to talk about relationships. Everybody say relationships. Relationships as a spiritual practice. I love that. As somebody who loves people, like so often I think when we think spiritual discipline, spiritual practices, we think about like somber and solitude and all those things. I just love that God has designed it where we can be in relationship and that's something that helps us grow. Here's the truth. Things that are not rooted do not grow. Things that are not rooted do not grow, and you will not grow in your relationship with Christ unless you stay rooted to him. It sounds easy enough, right? Colossians 2, 6 through 8 says this. It says, so then, just as you've received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. Rooted with Christ and overflowing with thankfulness. That's just my entire Christian life. Anybody else? It seems easy, but if we're honest, for most of my life, it wasn't. Like staying rooted, it, it was a struggle. And so the big question we have to ask is how do we stay rooted to Christ? Practically, how do we do it? And the answer I have found is that it's through consistent spiritual practices. Now notice I didn't say goals, right? Anybody ever had like a New Year's resolution or goal that you didn't follow through with? Anybody brave enough to say you've already broken one of your goals this year? Anybody? Okay. I, I love it. You know, every team in the NFL has the same goal, right? They want to win the Super Bowl. But what separates those teams from what used to be, not so good this year, but Tom Brady? It's practices, and it's a plan. The dude is the most disciplined person on the planet, and it shows. It wasn't Belichick, right? We've seen that. It was Brady. Why? He was so disciplined. He was so intentional. Here's the reality that I've found. I often want to go through my life, my spiritual life, motivated by my feelings. And I want to wait until I feel like doing the things that I need to do, and then I do them. But here's what I've found that is much more helpful. I've found that when I act, my heart and my feelings follow. When I put certain practices and actions into my life, my heart and my feelings follow. And it's through daily and weekly intentional practices. So what we want to do as a church, uh, every week this year, I'm going to try to give us a practice as a community, something that we're going to put in place, something that you can actively go and do that is going to help you root and follow in the way of Jesus. Amen? Uh, James K. A. Smith, he wrote a phenomenal book. All of his books are really good. Uh, he wrote one called How Not to Be Secular if you're into philosophy read it. It's phenomenal. Uh, but this one, I'm going to recommend a lot this year. Next week, I'm going I'm to teach through a lot of this stuff. But he wrote one called You Are What You Love. And what you love is not maybe what you think you love. It's interesting. And basically, he says, the heart is a compass that leads our lives towards a vision of the good life. All of us have a vision of the good life, right? And what we do is our efforts, our practices, all those things are oriented towards our vision, whether we recognize it or not. That's a preview for next week, all right? But here's a quote for this week that's going to help us. 
It says we learn to love then, not, by, not primarily by acquiring information about what we should love, but rather through practices that form the habits of how we love. Our habits form us into who we are. These habits are what we call Christian spiritual practices. And so the traditional uh, spiritual practices are daily prayer and solitude. I hate solitude. Anybody else? We're my people who love solitude, my introverts. Okay, we're, I'm jealous of you in this, all right? Uh, this is one of the, the, the practices that I'm the worst at. Uh, then you have, you have Bible reading and spiritual reading, uh, patterns of fasting. We're just coming out of a week of prayer and fasting, and feasting. Can I get an amen, somebody? That's part of our spiritual practice, is to feast, enjoy each other, resting through Sabbath and relationships. And y'all, our goal as a church is to resource you and equip you to walk out this Christian life, to walk out your faith in Jesus. And so this week, we're talking about relationships uh, or fellowships. Our fellowship, if you want to get real uh, weird and churchy about it. Um, and so, uh, yeah, if you're taking notes, we got a few things. I, we, we gave you a guide on the way in. Uh, we're trying to give you a little bit of an outline, something that you can take with you. And so my sermon title this morning is Rooted in the Church. Everybody say that, Rooted in the Church. Y'all, this is how we grow. It's being rooted in Christ together. So here's my thesis that I'm going to be working off of. It is by rooting ourselves into loving, sacrificial, sacrificial relationships that we grow and live out our faith. A recommended resource this morning, I've recommended this a few times, it will take you one hour to read it. The book is this thick. Uh, if you're looking for something to read, jump on Amazon right now, okay? Uh, order this. It's called uh, A Creative Minority Influencing Culture Through Redemptive Participation. I like that. That's got an edge to it, Redemptive Participation uh, by John Tyson, so check that one out. Um, as many of you guys know, and I mentioned earlier, Cal and I have been out this last couple weeks. We, we had a death in the family. Sorry for the people over there. Here. Zach. Worship leaders, am I right? I'm just kidding. I call these guys out way too much. Uh, as you guys know, though, we, we were out. We were grieving. Um, I had a cousin who tragically passed away. Uh, she had a series of just really unfortunate uh, medical events happen, and within 24 hours of us realizing she was really sick, she passed. And she's 39, she's three kids, and y'all, it, it, was, it was brutal. Uh, a lot of you guys have texted me and asked how it was and uh, how we're doing, and it's the hardest service that I've ever had to do. I, I did the eulogy for the funeral, um, and it was really rough, but it was also really rich. Uh, it, it was good to be with family. It was like being in high school again. All my cousins were back around, and we were pranking each other, and <laughs> we were laughing and crying and all the things that you need to do. And honestly, it was really, really healing. Uh, some of you guys know I got fresh princed when I was younger. Who knows that story? Raise your hand if you know the story. Uh, I got in a little trouble. My mom got scared. She sent me to live with my auntie and uncle. Where? Columbus, Ohio. That's right. And... Uh, <laughs> I went up there, I went to the private school and everything. Like, they put me in private school. I had the uniform. It was like the whole thing. I was not from that world. Um, and, and I got in, I knew they had a really rich community when I was there. But, y'all, it was on a whole nother level to see them rally around a friend who had lost a child. And uh, people were there uh, day in and day out. They were with us up at the hospital at midnight when she passed, just crying, just being present, being there. They were bringing meals, three meals a day for like two weeks, not just to one house, but like multiple households. Yo, it was amazing. 
to watch this community rally. And they cried with us, and they grieved with us, and they prayed with us, and they just rallied around us. And y'all, it gave me so much vision for us as a church. If you've been around me very long, uh, I always say we, we didn't come to build a crowd, we came to build a church. Um, the gates of hell can prevail against a crowd. But, but there is something powerful when people enter into covenant community, not convenient community, covenant community, and they covenant together and they walk together. Y'all, when you go through things like that, here's the reality. Right now, everything may, go, may be going great. I was talking to a buddy of mine that I pastor out of state on Thursday, and he, he was in Miami, and he was walking on the boardwalk, and we're talking about covenant relationships, and he was like, it's hilarious listening to you talk about this and just observing the reality of the world that we're in. He was like, there's a beach party right down the street, for, right down the beach from me, and I'm telling you, they're not thinking about covenant relationship. And we were thinking about it. I was like, yeah, but you know what? When, when they hit real loss they're going to wish that they were in one. And here's what I want to tell you. Like, as we go through this, I know as we walk through, like, there's this proverbial job fair set up. <laughs> like, what are they selling? What are they pushing? What do they want me to, what are they, what are, what are they hoping that I do? You know, let me take the pressure off of it. Our, our goal is to enter into friendships and study of the word together and, like, joint faith together. And these relationships don't develop over a semester. They develop over a lifetime. And so it's one of those practices that we can put in that doesn't have to be highly emotional. You don't have to come in and say, I commit my life to this group day one, because they may be crazy. You know, I could tell stories. You know, the, <laughs> I went to a life group one time. Oh, you can't make this stuff up. And I walk in, and one of the guys yelps. He goes, whoop! And he runs to me at the door and kisses me on the neck. <laughs> like, okay, Callie was there. She can testify to this. And then he's like, let's all pray together. And so we get in a circle, and he reaches down, and he holds my hand, and he doesn't just hold it. He does, like, the interlocked fingers. And I look around, and he's not holding hands with the other guy. It's just me. And it's just me and this guy holding hands. And I'm like, I'm never coming back to this small group again. I don't think you're going to have any groups like that, but you might. Life group leaders, don't hold hands with just one person in the group. That's weird. Y'all, I'm like, how do I bring this back? Our goal, our goal is not to get into relationships of convenience, but to get into committed relationships of covenant. And it is not based on, I, I joke about that guy, whatever, but you know what? If he was going through something and somebody reached out to me, I'd show up for him because I know he would show up for me. We're going to unpack what covenant looks like, but I, I love this, this quote. It's from uh, Lewis Swedes. He wrote, he wrote an article called The Power of Promising, and he said this, when you make a promise, you tie yourself to other persons by unseen fibers of loyalty. You agree to stick with people you are stuck with. When everything else tells them they can count on nothing, they can count on you. When they do not have the faintest notion of what in the world is going on around them, they'll know that you are going to be there with them. You've created a small sanctuary within the jungle of unpredictability. You've made a promise that you intend to keep. Your covenant relationships, relationships within the church, are relationships with a promise attached. 
Here's the thing about promising, though. Promising inherently has risk, right? That, that's why and we could get into, like, pre-industrial relationships, which were based on, like, hey, we need food together and we need to protect each other, so we're going to covenant together because we need each other, right? And then you went into the Industrial Revolution and they started to shift, but now we're in a post-industrial world where we don't really see the need we have for each other, right? And so we live in these isolated communities, and that, the term for it is called a peg community. It's this singular, isolated community that's not connected. But what God created us for is for an interconnected way web of deep relationships. Why? Because we need each other more than we think we do. And in our world, it's through tragedy that we see the need. Our whole world is based on promises, whether we recognize it or not, right? Like if you get on an airplane, you are trusting that that pilot is going to drive you where you're supposed to go, right? And he's going to do the things that he needs to do. Your deep, trustworthy relationships are relationships with promises and commitment attached. It's a commitment to each other through thick and thin. It's a promise to show up in good and bad, to mourn together and to celebrate together. Amen? John 15, 12, Jesus said, my what? My command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. Let's just take a moment and ponder. Just right where you're at, just ponder how has God loved us? Like in, in what manner, in what methods, what risks did Christ take to love you? Let's just kind of sit in this for a second. You know, the scripture says while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. When we couldn't hold up our end of the bargain, Christ still kept his. That's what covenantal love is. If you go throughout the Bible, God is known as the God of the promise or the God of the covenant. Uh, if you go throughout the Psalms, the writers talk about God's steadfast love. You're going to see that word a lot. It used to be loving kindness, but translators have seen that steadfast love is a bit more accurate to the Hebrew. The Hebrew word there is hesed. This is a covenantal love. This is a no matter what kind of love. This is a kind of love where it's like no matter whether you hold up your end of the bargain or not, I'm going to be there kind of love. And when you get into John 15, the word for love here is agape. That's the Greek. Uh, this is in contrast to philia, which is brotherly love, like, uh, uh, um, sorry, hey, Asia, I got distracted. It's good to see you. Um, <laughs> Philadelphia, right? That's the city of brotherly love. That's the root. That's the Greek root, root, root to that. Uh, there's philotha, which is self-love. Our, our world has a lot of that, right? Uh, and uh, what agape is, is this love that embraces a deep and profound sacrificial love that transcends and persists regardless of circumstance. Christ says, my command is that you love each other in this way. And if you do, you'll have joy, and your joy will be complete. He's saying love each other with a covenant, promise-oriented love. You know, I believe, what I want to submit to you, is if you've been going through life, and you've been in spiritual Groundhog Day, like it is the same year over and over and over and no growth, what I want to ask you is, is do you have relationships like this? A leadership maxim is you're the sum total of your five closest friends. Show me your friends and I'll show you your future, right? We become who we spend time with. If we want to remain strong in Christ, we've got to remain in deep 
connected relationships. To remain strong in Christ, we must be rooted in the what? The church. John 15, 9 through 12, as the Father has loved me, I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will what? Remain in my love. Just as I have kept the Father's commands and remain in his love, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Uh, There there was a man in the 1800s by the name of D.L. Moody. Has anybody ever heard of D.L. Moody? T.L. Moody was a businessman. He was a shoe and boot maker. He had a really lucrative business. And one day in Sunday school, uh, the teacher taught him about the love of God, and he was just captivated with God's love. He left his business, and he went, and he committed his life to seeing revival. He started churches. uh, He started colleges. And his impact is seen in Chicago today and all throughout the globe. He was a bold, bold guy. And it's said that uh, one cold and gloomy day, he visited a man who expressed some interest at one of his meetings. He was invited into a really comfortable room with a blazing fire on the hearth. And after some gracious preliminary discussion, the man began to argue that it was possible for a person to be a Christian without participating in the life of church. As he made his elaborate and detailed argument, Moody leaned forward in the chair, took the poker, and pulled a flaming coal out of the fire under the stone hearth. Moody watched as the coal slowly dimmed and went out. Then he turned and he looked at the man without saying anything. After a long pause, the man said, Mr. Moody, you have made your point. Robert Mulholland says this about the interaction. We can no more be formed in the image of Christ outside of corporate spirituality than a coal can can continue to burn bright outside of the fire. Y'all, we want to live on fire, right? Anybody ever look back to like the times in youth group where you're like, I was so on fire, right? I just wish I could go back to the youth days when I was on fire for Christ. But y'all, listen, Without committed, Christ-centered relationships, the fire will always go cold. There's a lot, right? Here's what I want to encourage you with. This is important. This is important stuff. This can be weighty stuff. But walk into it with grace. Don't walk into it like, oh my gosh, like I said earlier, I'm about to have to make like the deepest covenant commitment of my life. You know, this is something that we learn to do. Here's the reality. Grace is free. Grace of God is free. It's the unmerited gift of grace from God. But growth will cost you. Grace is free, but growth will cost you. Number two, being rooted in the church will require sacrifice. John 15, 13 through 15, greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. Let's pause on this. Our world is full of shallow relationships. How many friends do you have on social media that are not going to show up to help you move? <laughs> right? <laughs> Almost all of them. Like, you're going to post about your move, and they're, they're going to like it, but they are not going to show up. They're just not going to do it. But those, the good relationships in life, my, my, my cousin's funeral, somebody got up there and said, 
she went through a divorce and she said nobody was there. I was by myself with my three kids trying to pack up my house and she said I was on my porch crying and Sarah called me. And Sarah said, how are you doing? She said, not good. She said, I'm trying to pack up my house. I'm all alone. I can't even afford a a moving truck. She said, stay put. I'm ordering pizza. I'll be there in 10 minutes. That is love. That is showing up. And and the reality is most of our world doesn't want to take the risk of that type of love. Why? Because it requires sacrifice. It requires time. It requires energy. It's going to cost you a back injury, most likely, right? (laughs) It's sacrifice. But anyone who's had people show up for them in a time of need will tell you it is well worth it. Y'all, this is the rich stuff of life. This command of Jesus is not just to relationships of convenience and common interest, but to committed, covenantal, I'll be there no matter what relationships. Now, here's the reality. It's showing up for each other, but it's also being willing to speak truth to each other. And this is where a lot of relationships break down. Because we either don't want to speak truth or we don't want to receive the truth. And so what we've got to do if we want to grow is to have relationships around us that do both. Relationships that show up, relationships that receive the truth, and relationships that give the truth. You know, this love is not just affection. Like, guys, we don't love the word love, right? To be honest, (laughs) you know. It's feely. We don't love that. Some gals are the same way. But this is not that. This is not like the fuzzy-wuzzy love. This is commitment. Like no matter what, I'm going to be there kind of love. John 15, 13, greater love has no man than this, than to lay down one's life for one's friends. Y'all, Christ did not go to the cross for fuzzy feelings, right? He didn't go for warm and fuzzies. He went because he chose to love because of the joy that was set before him. A covenant is a commitment to show up, to lay down our lives, and to model what Christ modeled for us. You know, so we, we have practices and we have imitation, right? We have practices, which are things that we put in place, and then we have imitation. That is how we grow. We find people and we say, hey, I want to be like, you know, if you're in here, you're trying to grow. Here's one of the best bits of advice I can give you. Find someone whose life you want and imitate them and follow them. I tell young people all the time, don't go looking for the best opportunity financially. Go looking for the best leader that you can learn from. Because if you go and you emulate those things, you're going to have a rich, rich life. It might not be the best financial move, but it will be the the best uh, life move. Amen? We want to imitate Christ. The Apostle Paul said, he didn't say just imitate me. He said, imitate me as I imitate who? Christ. What did Christ embody? Our goal is to embody the life of Christ. He was the most life-giving, life-attributing person who has ever walked the globe. And, And our goal as a community is to inculcate that so that it becomes a part of our culture and so that it spreads out from our community. It radiates out. Number three, if we remain rooted to Christ and in his church, We will produce fruit that lasts. Everyone say lasts. Last bit of this, John 15, 16. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you may go and bear what? And that fruit will last. 
Y'all, God's goal for us, he bookends this passage. If you go look at verse 8, which I'm going to read for you here in a second, and you look at verse 16, verse 8, this is in my Father's glory so that you'll bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Verse 16, I chose you and appointed you so that you may go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. How do we live within those bookends of bearing fruit? Y'all, all of us long to be a part of something that lasts, Right? Nobody's like, I'm, an, I'm a teacher, and I'm just wasting my time investing in these kids, and I don't care if I make a difference or not, right? If that's you, you're bad, bad teacher. <laughs> and we need to work on that, right? Nobody starts a business and says, man, I hope I make a bunch of money in five years and it doesn't last. The older you get, the more you start thinking about the L word, which is legacy, right? At some point, you can have all the money in the world. You can have all the success in the world, but if you do not have a legacy, at some point life is going to feel empty. What Christ is saying is you don't have to generate this for yourself. You don't have to generate a movement. You just have to join one. There is a rich, generational, and ancient legacy of the church. And it's not just happening in this room, and it's not just all throughout history. It's happening right now in millions of people across the globe. Y'all, we are a part of the greatest movement the world has ever seen. And if we invest in each other with love and we invest in our city, Jesus promises if we do it with love, it will produce joy in us. Anyone want some of that? And it will produce a legacy that lasts. The scripture says that God has put eternity in the hearts of man. That's why death is so difficult for us because we sense that we're made for more. One of the ways that we root ourselves to Christ, we root ourselves to eternity is through the relationship with Christ and the relationship with others that transcends time and goes forth into eternity. This is the invitation of Jesus. It's to live a life that matters and to live a life of love with people from each and every culture, from each and every background, from each and every time period, all throughout history and going forward into the future. John Tyson said this in his book, Kingdom Values. He said, God brings people together from many different backgrounds and renames them the people of God. Look around you. Just take a moment, look around the room. Look at people's faces, the different backgrounds, the different stories, the different things that are represented here in this room. Yo, we are God's people. We are God's church. He is who, uh, we are who he came to build and came to create. And it is by our love that the world will know us. How do we walk in that love? We walk in love together. There is no other context for our faith. In this church, this beautiful church that we're a part of, now and from the beginning of time, this church is a transformational movement at the individual, familial, communal, and global level. He will renovate the broken down heart. That's where it starts, is the transformation, the renovation of the heart. He will heal broken families. You see it all throughout the scripture, and there's testimonies in here. Can anybody testify to that? I can. He will restore a broken community. That is our heart's cry is that it would be in Little Rock as it is in heaven, and he will transform our broken world. Y'all, this is the fruit and the promise of God, and we will accomplish it together in deep, covenantal, not convenience-based relationships, but promise, faith-based relationships. Amen?
So spiritual practice for this week uh, is to find a group. Uh, some of you guys, you may be in deep covenant relationship. They may attend another church. Well, guess what? They're still part of the church. That's okay, you know? Uh, but for some of you guys, you may be looking for a group or you may be looking to root in deeper here. Y'all, there are so many different places. This is a beautiful thing that's happening right now. We have groups for every age group, different phases of life. Like if you're going through marriage, you're going through recovery, you're just looking for some friends in the young adult world, hello. Uh, there's some good people to meet. And the reality is a lot of us may have fun friends outside of here, you know? But we, we want fun friends with some depth, amen? And so men, where are my men at? That's right. My dogs, the dirty dogs. Um, Wednesday mornings at 6 a.m., there's about 40, 50 guys who come in here and we seek God's face together. Every man in this room, not one of you, myself included, are going through life and thinking, I don't want to know how to lead my family, right? I don't want to know how to lead my kids. All of us want to. We just don't know how. That's why we got to link arms together. As Kirby Smart said, we got to be a connected assault. Amen? A connected assault on the brokenness in this world. And so what I want you to pray through, we're going to go into a time of response, a time of worship, and I just want you to open up your heart and ask God, like, hey, what are some steps that I need to make? Are there some places that I need to plug in, some places that I need to grow? And, and what we'll do in, in almost every ministry is we'll walk the way of Jesus together. That's the goal, right? Is to practice the way of Jesus together. Amen? So that we can be with Jesus become like Jesus, and ask the simple question, live it out, what would Jesus do if he were me? Amen? Let me pray for you. God, thank you for your word. God, I thank you that we get to be a part of your church. God, we are so grateful. And our prayer is simple. Come Holy Spirit, lead us, direct us in the ways that we should go. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, Hey guys, thanks for listening in. I hope that this message blessed you and it helps you in your journey with Jesus. If it did, leave a comment, leave a review. Things like that help us spread the message of Jesus. Uh, if you want to connect with us, the best way to do that is to follow us on Instagram at, at NLC Downtown Little Rock to follow along with the life of our church.